All right. Um, just in case, uh, I'm, I'm guessing everybody that, that needed one of these got one of the cards. But uh, I want to also take a moment. I did this Wednesday night, and it turned out pretty good for us. So let's do it again. But, you know, I know this thing just didn't jump out at, at you when you passed by the door. But this is a sign-up sheet for volunteering for the event. We've got quite a few names on here, but there's probably some space for more. Um, uh, we had a great meeting. Things are falling together. It's organized. You'll be placed in, a, in something that will fit for you. But uh, I gave up the pin we had earlier, but I'm just going to start this around again. So if you didn't get a chance to sign up, there's information on the front. Just take a moment to read through that. And then there's places behind that to sign up. And so there's going to be uh, serving food, um, the kitty train rides, uh, facial hair contest, barbecue contest, the service, uh, worship service, and the, uh, the preaching of the word. So there's a lot of areas where you could volunteer and help. Um, no, we won't just put you up there to preach the word. We're not, I'm not going to just put in preaching next to that. But um, sign up, if you will. If you haven't found a spot, Chelsea, we already have a spot for you. But uh, just thought I'd bring that out. All right, a couple other housekeeping items. If I could get our usher guys or some other guys, I think they might have taken an offering on back. But um, Isaac, would you help me? I, I had to pick a guy that's on the inside of the aisle. Huh? But sorry about that, Brittany and Vincent. But um, can you just, here, here's the cards that if people go to the, I've taken the time, over 1,500 of these, I marked out the wrong number that, they, that we had print on there. So since I took the time to do that, uh, maybe you could take the time to invite folks this week. That's that's the most important thing of anything. Get folks there. Everything's on the website, the event page. They can just pull up that event page. Sign up for barbecue contests on there. They can even pay for their fee and all that for that. Um, just want information, it's on there. Or facial hair contesting, sign up. So what I want you to do is as this box comes around to you, I want you to look and think, okay, how many can I give away invite and then double that because the other half of Lord is going to help you to go past yourself all right so we're going to hand those around and we got more on the way this week that I've ordered we get blessed with a very special deal on those so uh, don't be shy just take what you can give away plus what God's going to help you give away all right well in pre preparation for this Sunday one of the things I, I, I do sometimes is look over. Uh, I utilize some of that online storage uh, capabilities. I have Dropbox, so I'm able to keep all my sermons in electronic form in there. And I can do searches, you know, word searches. And, and I kind of look through once in a while to see where the Lord's been leading us. I mean, I kind of know, but when you look over a couple years of sermons, sometimes you can see a common thread. And one thing I've noticed is we have um, spent some time learning from God's Word over the past couple years at different times about how we can kind of go awry and give the devil a foothold and he can pull us away from uh, the body of believers, uh, from his will in our life, that, that we, we can let things get in between. And that, that has to do with the enemy getting a foothold when we're doing something we, we shouldn't or we're, or we're um, not letting the Lord help us. But you know, there's other times the enemy attacks and that's the times when you're doing everything right. And so we're going to get into that a little bit today about when the enemy's attacking, when you're doing everything right or when you're doing what the Lord wants you to do. Uh, first, just got a little story I'll tell you. In the first service, I threw people for a loop, but uh, I'm going to pick on Andrew and Chelsea because they're the newlyweds in the group. But uh, let's just say uh, Chelsea uh, went to New York with Andrew. And they passed by, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue or one of the fancy stores. And, 
sees this, she sees this $3,500 dress, beautiful dress, and thinking, you know, I don't know, he's just been married a short time. I don't know if I could pull that one off or not. I get him to buy that dress. And so in a weak moment, even though we know Chelsea has utmost integrity, but in this moment, she's weak, and she says, you know, I think I'll just tell him, I'll tell him a story and, and, and get him to buy that dress. But so she tells Andrew, you know, I had this dream that we were walking down in front of Saks Fifth Avenue, and there's this dress that was so beautiful, and it was only $3,500. And you bought it for me, and it just blessed us so much, both of us. And, and, uh, and Andrew thinks a minute and says, Well, Chelsea, I am so thankful you had that dream, and I'm going to pray that in every dream you have from now on, you get to wear that same dress in your dream. <laughs> and that has absolutely nothing to do with the message, but... Um, at least if you woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning for church, the uh, Lord uh, has reminded you that he gives you joy, right? Um, and laughter is good for the soul. So, uh, Well, if you want to get ready in, in your uh, text today is Second Samuel chapter 5. That's right after First Samuel. God put them in order for you. Or the wise men that gave us some kind of system for knowing where things are located in the Bible put a number in front of Samuel's name to help you. Second Samuel chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. I'm going to start out by reading you this text. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed King David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it, and he went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of a uh, big name, Rephim, um, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to, and the NIV says, attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And a little bit of God's comedy in this, because he says, And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines in your hand. Like, duh, David. You know, we've done this before, remember? Um, and David came uh, to uh, Balfirsarim, and David smote them, and there and said the Lord has broken forth upon mine enemies before me and the breach of waters therefore he called the name of that place and there left their images and David and his men burned them so some of you that aren't familiar with me and my preaching um, I tend to get tongue-tied on big words so if you hear me say big word and I make attempt at it don't laugh but uh, that's that's my best rendition um but here we see after 15 years, this is really an incredible story. After 15 years of trouble and perseverance, David finally reaches the fulfillment of his dream, the place he is going to enjoy. He has finally been anointed the king of all Israel and placed on the throne. I mean, he dreamed of this. This is, this is fulfillment. I mean, this is, think about it. How many times you pray, God, show me what you want me to do. And then when it happens, you're like, wow, God, God totally brought me to where I, I saw him um, you know, years ago going to take me. So all is well in David's world, world, right? You know, it's all good. No. David has stepped up to a new level, but now faces a new devil. Now, I'm not insinuating that Satan has a, a brother that just showed up on the scene or anything like that, but, but David stepped up to a new level, and now he faces a new devil. In other words, faces new challenges, new, new threats. Taking spirit, spiritual turf always result, uh, results in challenges. Anytime you take a step forward for the kingdom of God, claiming territory, spiritual territory for God's kingdom, you're going to have uh, challenges, spiritual warfare. 
So this morning, what I want us to do is in this passage and looking at a few others, I want us to look at a couple things here. What it means to go to a higher level. You know, I, I don't like church ease. I don't like those things that we as in the church get so used to saying that we expect everybody to understand. So what are we talking about going to a higher level? And then we see three anointings that David received to go to that other level. And then we'll look at the accumulation of God's design for his life and the deliverance of his whole nation from oppression. So the title of the message this morning is New Level, New Devil. So going to a higher level, what is going to a higher level? Well, in this context, in, in the, the kingdom of God context, going to a higher level means that we recognize that we haven't achieved perfection, but we have room to grow. Another common thread through many of the messages, we've talked about how pride comes up, and sometimes we who have been in the Word of God for many years studying, we grew up in church, we, we would never think of us being a Pharisee, but sometimes we come to the point where nobody can really teach us anything. You know, I mentioned there's a difference between me being your preacher and me being your pastor. Remember what I told you the difference was? Let's see when you and I disagree on something and the Lord tells me to bring either discipline or instruction or something like that and see if you're still here the next week. That'd tell whether I'm your pastor or just your preacher. Some people who think they've arrived to a maturity in the Lord don't realize they've actually come to a very immature place in the Lord. They've actually gone backwards because they've got to an unteachable place where that's why I'm not, you know, I, lo I love to study up on cults. One common thread in cult leaders is they have to get to a place where nobody can question them. They're no longer teachable. There's nobody above them. God, which they can kind of speak for, and nobody's hearing an audible voice, so they can insert what they want God to say. But that's why, uh, you know, I'm not one that toots a horn of denominational uh, organizations, but I'm proud to be a part of the Assemblies of God because they are, are, have been very good, had a good track record of having accountability in place for their ministers. Yes, I have a church board. They keep me in check. But should I ever try to manipulate them or, or put them in a precarious situation, I have someone above me to keep me accountable. And so, and so going to a higher level means that we recognize that we haven't achieved perfection, but we have room to grow, staying teachable. It means that we refuse to be satisfied with where we are, but are taking action to improve ourselves. I, I get often misunderstood that I'm being competitive with other people. Truth is, I've been in comp competition with myself since I was born. I'm never satisfied where I'm at. I've always got to do bigger and better things. So often people think I might be competing with them, but it's just I'm challenged to always do better. I cannot stand stagnation or backwards movement. If I've learned a hard lesson in something, it drives me nuts to see someone who will, who will uh, fail at something and they don't learn anything from it and they keep returning back to that. It's hard for me to deal with that. Coming to that higher level may be uh, through uh, obedience. Maybe you're a higher level obedience to the Lord or, or of faith or Holy Spirit empowering or maybe um, outreach to the lost or walking with God in relationship or attempting to master God's word or getting on fire or having a heart like David or like Christ. Well, why seek to go to a higher level? Why would we do that? I mean... It doesn't make sense. When you finally get to a place where you're comfortable, why not stay where you're comfortable? Because it's God's will that you move to a higher level. God is not a God of stagnation. He's not a God of, of us staying in the same place we are. He challenges his children. He moves us to, to seek higher goals and to reach higher levels of, of service to him. 
David sought a new level because it was God's will. We know the Bible says uh, that David was a man after God's own heart. And our growth, our perfection is God's will. Paul said this. Paul said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. In other words, not that I've already arrived on the scene, not that I'm all that in a bag of chips, but I press on to take hold of that which for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In Philippians 3.12. Also, why seek to go to a higher level? Because God wants us to do a greater work. God had a greater work for David. God wants us to, to affect more people for Christ. He doesn't want you to use the excuse that you came from a, a, a home full of domestic abuse and to repeat it. He wants you to conquer that. He wants you to be a child of God and for you to start a new trend in your family tree. He wants us to, he wants us to obey him and, and the anointing of our lives will get stronger. In Acts 5.32, it says, be filled with the Spirit. He doesn't want us to just come to a salvation knowledge of him and we know that the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and dwell in us at that point, but, but that's not it. You don't just stay at that spot. The Holy Spirit increases. In fact, in, the, in, in um, our church, being a Pentecostal church, we believe that the, the Holy Spirit does another work, that he wants to, do, uh, to baptize you in the Spirit. And we believe that that's what the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. It's not for show. You may have seen it in that aspect. You may have seen it poked fun of. Um, I'm not going to go through. Some of you have, have, have heard my story on that so many times, but just to make you comfortable, if you grew up not believing in that, I grew up in a home they believed in it, and I didn't secretly. But when you get laid out on flat on your back and it has the axe effect on you and all of a sudden you're a witness or where you're hiding in the closet about your Christianity, you have to admit, okay, it's true. It still happens. So God doesn't want to stay the same. He wants to keep doing works as he wants us to do greater works. It, it reminds me of a story I heard of a little boy who he grew up on a farm that was just on the edge of their town, just down the street from their corner grocery store. And he would go out, his dad would take him out fishing in their pond that they'd stocked with, with catfish and a few other kinds. And he'd go out there and he never really could seem to catch anything after his dad started letting him go by himself. But yet family would get together and they'd talk about their little fisherman. One day he's going to be a pro fisherman. He loves fish. He's out there all the time. Well, secretly he wanted to tell him, I, I keep trying to do this because you guys seem impressed, but I, I'm not doing any good at this. I want to do good at it. I want to prove myself. He happened to be passing by on his bicycle by the corner store and saw them tossing out some fish that stayed in the freezer too long and it had the head and the scales, everything attached. Just been slid open the gut. And he thought, I could put those on the end of my stringer and walk home with a whole load of fish. Be the hero. Let's fake it. So he got those. Well, the problem was he walked in. His dad said, son, where'd you get those fish? He thought, well, how did he know? So he said, well, the family pond real sheepishly. He said, well, then somebody must have thrown in a bunch of salt and some fish from the ocean, because those are ocean fish, son. <laughs> yeah, caught. But, but why do we insist? Let me, let me throw this out to you. Why, as a believer, would you want to keep insisting on pretending that you're at some spiritual level with the Lord and performing a certain way for him just for the sake of others to see it? Why would you want to keep doing that if you, don't tr if you truly believe that you can have the real deal? Now, I'm not here... There, I have to stop because this could uh, turn out to make you feel like you're being condemned. But I'm going to tell you something I ask myself often. Where's my fruit? Where's the fruit of my labor for the Lord? Where's my converts? And listen, sometimes we just need a reality check. 
And I've mentioned this before. It's a good litmus test for us. Think about it. When's the last time you led somebody to the Lord? When's the last time you walked them all the way through understanding the Bible and discipling them? That's all of us are commissioned to do that, right? That's not just your pastor's job. And listen, God was gracious to me because I didn't have many disciples before I became pastor. Jen and I talked about our call at one time to missions that, hey, how can we expect to go be missionaries and, and do this work overseas when we're not even doing it here? You know, if we won't even tell people at work, if we won't even... And so we're like, well, pastor, you're going to be in heart of me. I mean, I've told people and I've tried, but listen, there is a different level of striving for winning people of Christ when you want it so badly that it's all you can think about. It's all you want to do is just get that opportunity to share what God has done for you. And some of that may stem from the fact that we've dried up a little bit on this side. We've, we've let ourselves get too busy, so uh, our lives have become revolved around other things that, are, uh, that should be less important, but we've made them more important than, than evangelizing this world for Christ. How about we reach a higher level of ministry and see the real deal happen in our lives? We should grow up in our responsibility. John 17, 4 says, I have glorified your name on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. We glorify him in our praise on Sundays when we worship him in song. We glorify him by by our, our service in the church, but what about those things that he's asked you to do outside the church? Are you glorifying him in those? I want to be able to say that. Paul said that I might that I may finish my course with joy. In other words, it's not because it's a task list. Well, Pastor CJ, stomp my toes this morning because I, I just I know I haven't won anybody the Lord for a while. No need to throw it in my face. Listen, I want it for you because there's a joy that happens. Now listen. I've gotten the calls in the middle of the night where you end up going to pray with someone and then you're with them and then you've got responsibilities next morning. And you can't just call in sick or you can't do that. And that was before I was pastor. I've, I've walked that road where you're sleeping on some guy's couch just because he says he needs help and he can't, and he can't quit taking drugs and so you've you got to stay there with him. And look, I'm not tooting my horn. God put me in those positions. I didn't know what to do. I'm just saying you have to get to a point where you hunger for him to use you and when he opens a door, don't turn your back on him. When he puts them in front of you, don't come up with an excuse. We're full of excuses. You know, I walked around Centerton Days yesterday handing out cards and inviting people with my kids and and, uh, ran into some people that none of you all probably know, some people that have been here before in the past in a new song, and I don't think they're plugged in anywhere. They've just kind of let themselves get separated from the body, and they're having a rough time. But when I first saw them, I was like, hi, how are you doing? Good to see you. And they're like, oh, I've been so busy. I just haven't been able to get in there on Sundays and, you know, I'm getting the excuse train. And I want to tell him, I'm like, listen, that's not between you and me. I think what it is, we carry those things. We know what we should be doing. We carry them. And then we've got some kind of physical reminder of our accountability. We just spill. I'm thinking, you know, listen, I'm going to be standing with you at the judgment given given my reasons. You don't have to give them to me now. You better save those up if you're planning not change because you're going to have to give them to God, you know. He's the one that we have to answer to. It's not your pastor. It's him. And so I, I, and my heart hurts for people that are doing that because I'm thinking, listen, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't truly believe that one day we're going to find out what it's like to live in a sinless environment, free of sin, find out what we were truly created to be. And listen, I can make excuses too. You know, I, I listen to some of these excuses. I'm thinking, you think because my job is to be here on Sundays, I haven't ever thought, man, I would like to just roll over and go back to sleep. You know, or I could find an excuse. I could have lack of integrity and just call and say, Pastor Ken, you're going to have to come up and mess this quick. I feel sick. 
I want, I'm going to go to Pastor Pillow and Sister Sheets for my service today. You know, I could do that. But listen, we, we've got to be careful because we're not, it's not about you trying to prove to me whether you're a valid Christian or a valid Christ follower. God is watching and, it's, and why put ourselves through that? Like that little boy, why put yourself through that trying to fake something? You're only going to get caught up in it and it's going to feel worse at the end. Another reason we should seek to go to a higher level is to fill our pur- fulfill our purpose. God has a purpose for you that is greater than where you're at now. It doesn't matter where you're at now. He has one even greater. He's always challenging us. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17 in the Amplified Version says, Live purposefully. Therefore, do not be vague or thoughtless, or, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He wants you to know his, his will for your life. He wants you to walk in that. How can you believe God if you, uh, if you haven't even made up your own mind what you want to do and what he wants you to do? We have to have a purpose, a goal in mind. I have to constantly take a, a step back and take that 10,000-foot view of what we were purposed to do as New Song because people are always going to have opinions, always think we should be going one direction or the other, and I have to remind myself, what has God asked us to do? And to stick with that. And I have to stick to it solid. I have to just be willing to deal with a fallout. Someone didn't like that I didn't like their idea, but it was taking us a direction I don't think we should go. And so maybe they're mad, or maybe they're gone, and they're telling some other church how bad I am. It doesn't matter if God has told me I've got to stay the course. Because that's what his will is for the church, or for me. The devil will put out, pull out all the stops to keep us from going on with God. He wants to keep you wimpy and lukewarm and lazy where you have no purpose or no effect. We look at Scripture and we look at uh, uh, examples like Jabez's uh, spiritual ambition and Jabez's prayer where it says, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let me, let me be, be with me. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. God wants his hand, the power of his hand to be with us. I don't want us to ever lose sight that we have the ability to lay hands on people, lay hands on the sick, lay hands on those that are struggling or, or have addictions and lay hands on them and they'd be free, be healed because of the power of God. We need to realize that he wants his, uh, us to be his hand extended. Another reason we should seek to go to a higher level, 1 Chronicles 4.10 references that but spiritual enlargement enlarge my territory now even though this scripture is not directly calling out about property god just give me more land but listen how many times over the last few years have we hit full in our services and then we go back a little bit and we try to take on more responsibility and minister more folks and then and then finally we're like hey we need more facility (laughs) because people don't want to be elbow to elbow and so now we've got plans to build that is very much a spiritual thing because it's about building the kingdom of God. Now, if we just want a bigger building so that we say we have something, that's the wrong motive. But if we're expanding the kingdom, it is very much part of God wanting to enlarge your territory. Spiritual enlargement. Jabez wanted to be valuable to the Lord. I have to ask myself many times, am I wanting to be valuable to God? Here's an interesting fact for you. Sand on the beach. When Jen and I got married, we were in Belize when we had him on our honeymoon. And as a memorial, I brought back um, a bottle of sand. Nobody charged me for that. 
put in my suitcase, brought it home, had a little bit of Belize with me, right? And we carried that around through moves, and finally it got some spiders in or something, and it wasn't so special anymore, so we dumped it out, I guess. But, but nobody charged me for that sand. However, that same sand, it was taken and put in a bag, especially around one of these flood areas, you could get a dollar a pound for it. Or if it was made into sandpaper, then it's worth $5 a pound. Or made into silicone for uh, computer chips, it's worth $500 a teaspoon. The sand is the same, but it has increased in value for, because of a greater purpose, and it had to go through a refinement process to get there. Sometimes crushed, heated, but in many different ways, it was put to the test. It was taken beyond what it, it, it originally started out to be to increase its value. And so God does the same thing with us sometimes. He, he lets us go through the trials. He lets us go through the, the struggles. But it's to sharpen us. It's to refine us and, and bring more value to the kingdom. Another reason we should seek to go to a higher level is supernatural empowerment. When he said, and that your hand might be with me. Jabez realized that if God enlarged his borders, he would need God more than ever. People say, I've been praying for him to take me to a higher level, and all I get is trouble. It's not going smooth. I guess it's not God. That's wrong. If Job thought that way, he would have given up on God at the very first trial. Narrow, the word narrow means contracted by pressure. And on the narrow path, there's no room for fleshly baggage. You don't, you don't need less troubles. You need more anointing. And I know that word seems to be disappearing from, from church language. But it's not just a word. The anointing is what God wants to pour out on his people. They might be his hand extended, his voice to the nations. When God asked Gideon to go to a higher level, he said, I'm the least of all my clan. Surely you have the wrong man. You must, you, you've got to start seeing yourself as God sees you. You've got to ask for his help to get, to get over that low self-esteem and see yourself as the child of God he's called you to be, to the purpose he's called you for. When God calls us, the first thing we do is tell God all the things wrong with us and every reason why it's not going to work. Well, here's some challenges of a new level. The new level and the new devil. The Philistines came up to capture David, verse 17, when they heard that he was anointed king over Israel. And they decided to crush his government in its infancy before it was well organized. What you could get by with on one level, you can't at a higher level. You see, think about what David went through before this with Goliath. That was no small thing. I mean, we can kind of put ourselves into this uh, environment a little bit because people are worried about this election. I'm one of them. You don't hear me talk and name candidates and all that stuff and get in that in the pulpit, but I'm just telling you, when I've got three small kids. I can't look at them in the face and feel great about what's happening to our nation right now. But we need to realize the power of God to change the situation. The power is not in your vote, although I challenge every Christian to vote. The power is in the prayer you put behind that. The options we see on the ballot, do you think that God is really that limited? Well, CJ, that's already been decided. I mean, that's the process. Hey, listen, God does crazy things. I'm not advocating anything bad happened to candidates so that the selection is different, but I'm telling you, 
that I sat in a class and listened to Dr. Hammer, who was the lead legal counsel for the Assemblies of God, tell story after story about people who came against God's church. Bad intentions. They came against them with lawsuits. And terrible things would happen. One story that stuck out in my head, he said this one lady had got hurt on the church property and it was kind of like she had drummed it up and she was trying to sue him for every penny they had. And it was a big deal. And something happened major in his life and then for the first time he's running late to court and he comes running up the steps, he goes in, the courtroom's quiet, nobody's in there except for her attorney who is sitting up there with his head in his hands. He goes up and says, oh no, did they dismiss because I wasn't here? He said, no. He said, she was walking up the steps of the courthouse, she tripped and fell, broke her neck, she passed away. Now, some people say coincidence, but we can see, all, we can see the same God in our Bible that when, when it push comes to shove, if it means God's will being done, when people stand against them, and especially the enemy and devil puts people in, in the path of God's plan and God's will, anything can happen. And I really wish that Christians as a whole across this whole nation, across the world, would quit harping about all the political stuff and get on their knees and pray. Your words are powerless when it's griping and complaining. Just fall into the devil's hands. Get on your knees and pray. Oh, I'm doing that too, Pastor. Well, then you don't have time to be griping and complaining on Facebook and everywhere else. Get on your knees and pray. If you can't do that, then you don't really believe that God can do anything about it. And then you're not putting in your Christian vote. You're putting in your own will and your own vote. I'm sorry I'm being harsh about that, but I, I'm about done with Christians trying to war at this game with the devil like they're going to win something. Doing it that way. Fast and pray. That's how it happens. All right. So the challenges. David at one time... Before he was king, he could have gone into the Philistines area and they wouldn't have cared. Some of them liked him. There's one, Achish, he was friendly to him. But when David became king, he became a target, an open enemy. And the enemy doesn't account for the anointing of God sometimes. And here's the cool thing about how God's anointing works is because the devil is blind to a certain extent. Maybe some of you have come from a, a church at one time where the enemy got a foothold and it was dead. There wasn't anything major happening there. The Spirit of God wasn't moving and, and people were, were leaving. And so you've not seen God totally light up a church and take them from dead to just thriving and the Holy Spirit moving. But David, what happened is the enemy didn't realize that the presence of God that was on David had been missing from King Saul. They underestimated David because they were thinking of King Saul and how he was not much of a threat to them. And they were spreading themselves out in case they were uh, taking their, their many numbers and trying to really put the fear into David. But David was God's man and had God's anointing. And the interesting thing is the place of miracles is usually a place where you're over your head. I have rarely seen God do major mighty things in my life when I got everything under control. When I see him show up is when I think I have not a leg to stand on and I'm about to fall apart. Maybe take others with me, you know? And God shows up and he does something amazing. That's when the miracles happen. You know, we, we bellyache sometimes about the trials we're going through and then still say that we, we serve a great God and that we believe he can do great mighty things. But if so, then why do we bellyache? Because that should be an indication that he's just on the horizon getting ready to do something mighty in your life ungodly boss breathing down your neck persecuting you for a belief god's getting ready to show up 
spouse, unbelieving spouse, that you can't get to, to go to church or you can consider that and actually makes it hard for you to follow Christ, God's getting ready to show up. He's there. It's not that he just shows up, but you're getting ready to see it. Your eyes are going to be open. Next thing, the enemy doesn't, besides the enemy doesn't account for the anointing of God, it reminds me of watching trains and boxcars. You know, a boxcar has no power to propel itself. It's only when it's connected to the engine. And I think about that, that uh, uh, image of when Jesus was getting ready to go back to the Father and he tells him to go wait on the, the Holy Spirit, to go wait for the Comforter. And these are people that are hiding out because of what they saw happen to Jesus, afraid for their lives. And then they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking another language, a heavenly language, and they go out and they're willing to give their life to see people come to know Christ. We've got to be connected to the Holy Spirit. We've got to be continually connecting to the Holy Spirit. He wants to do something new in you every day. There's three anointings uh, that God sent to assist David. The first anointing we saw in 1 Samuel 16, 13. It took place when the prophet Samuel anointed the teenage David. And then this anointing brought him to the king's court and national prominence. This is all leading up to where David's heading. But it also brought the opposition of his brothers and the jealousy of King Saul. So with the anointing, with, the, with God pushing him out there and, and, and bringing him to a higher level, came the trial. The second anointing, 2 Samuel 2.4, took place when he was anointed as king over the tribe of Judah. He fortified the Hebron and took it as his capital. He reigned there for seven years. But with this level came open warfare between the house of David and the house of King Saul's descendants. Saul's folks again. The third anointing, 2 Samuel 5.3, was when they made David King over all of Israel that we've gone over. You know, he was only 37 years old. I'm 42. He was a young guy. David knew he was entering a larger arena conflict, so he decided to capture Jerusalem, which was the strongest fortress in that area of Palestine. And you know, that is what I love probably most about the story is that in the middle of him getting pressed to the higher level and the opposition of Philistines, he didn't settle for just riding out the storm. He pushed forward and said, I'm going to take Jerusalem, the hardest thing I could do. I love that about David. I love that about him because sometimes we, we get in the middle of a trial with the Lord and we think our job is just ride it out and see how it lands. And God's saying, get on your knees, soldier. Call out to me. This is war. Do something about it. Come on, push forward. What are you supposed to take control of now? You've got the enemy rearing up because he's afraid. Go ahead and knock him where it counts. You know, every time I start to get worried about, oh, Lord, what am I, what am I doing? You know, we're, um, how are we going to build this building? How are we going to have the money to do it? How are we going to do this? And I start thinking, Lord, what? And I think, what are my options? I, I either follow in step with what the heart of the Lord is, what, what his character nature is, or I could digress into what the enemy would like me to do, just be a weakling and watch the world go by. Slide on backwards and let him have his way with me. No, I choose to be the fighter. I choose to let the Lord Push me forward, even in the tough times. The Philistines determined to stop David. Notice that the Philistines again arise after the anointing. Goliath, the Philistine, came after his first anointing. Now, after the third anointing, the Philistines are after him again. And too often we want the battle, but not the anointing, or we want the anointing, but not the battle. 
But we must understand they come together and work together. They serve a purpose together. How are you going to know how great the anointing is if you don't know the power of what it can take you through? And then, finally, as we're closing, God is the God of the breakthrough, the God of the turning point. So as the Philistines came on, David heard from God about what to do. In 2 Samuel 5.20, he declares, And David came to that place, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. And then he named the place that was fitting for that. And this verse is prophetic. David calls God the Lord of the breakthrough, which is what he names the place. So this battle was a turning point. Up to this time, the Philistines had always dominated in their wars with Israel. They had never been defeated. And this, and this time, they see the power of God because they underestimated the anointing on King David. They plagued Israel all during the time of the judges, during Samuel's life, and ultimately defeated and killed Saul and his sons. But this battle was a turning point, the beginning of the breach and power of the Philistines. And it was the breaking of domination of the promised land by them. Folks, don't give up. What you see happening in our culture right now, what you see happening in the news media, social media, what you see, the hatred among people, the dissension, even within Christians and others, and, and the, all this, this talking and, and dissension, if God's people will humble themselves and pray, he'll be faithful to heal their land. It's the anointing of God that, that solves these problems. The tides of victory are loosed in those situations. David's words says, The Lord has broken mine enemies before me like the breach of waters. You know, David is no stranger, as I mentioned, to that kind of victory. I just want you to think about it. How many of us, even in Sunday school or when we were younger, you know the story of David and Goliath? I mean, even if you weren't raised in church, a lot of folks know that story, right? Or at least just of it. But here's David's brothers. Here's all that army. Here's the king. And they're all too scared to go out and fight the giant. And, and it just gets under David's craw a little bit, because a lot, because this guy's blaspheming the Lord. And he steps out not because he thinks I'm something, not because he looks at him and says, oh, yeah, we're not that much different. I can take you. He steps out there because he knows he goes with the power of the Lord. And he gets out there with a sling. I'm sure he's getting heckled and laughed. We know he does by some. I'm sure even of his own side. Wham. Slice. I'm sure there's a dead hush for a minute. Like, what just happened? But then, like no football game you've ever seen before. Like no stadium you've ever seen erupt before. Like, I've been standing there when the Broncos were playing Kansas City in record attendance in that stadium, and literally you thought that it was going to break apart and fall because of the stomping and cheering. Can you imagine? David experienced that as a boy. But God said, that's not good enough, David. I'm not done with you. I want you to go to a higher level. I want to take you higher. What can be higher than being the king of Israel and being a man after God's own heart? That's what we're going to create in you, David. That's where you're going to, that's where you're going to shine. There is an old western with Gary Cooper called The Hanging Tree. Gary Cooper in this is a doctor who, who this young boy gets shot, and so he, he pulls a bullet out and he rescues him. 
you know, from dying. And the boy, so thankful and grateful, says, what can I do to repay you for saving my life? He says, well, I've always wanted an assistant. I'll show you what all to do, and you just work with me. And he said, well, how long will you want me to do that? He said, the rest of your life, because that's how long you would have been dead if I hadn't saved you. And, you know, Jesus is the same way. We sometimes like, Jesus, how long do you want me to have to do this? I'm tired. Can't I just coast until we go to heaven? Can't we just stop doing all this stuff? I'm tired. I don't, I don't really have time, Jesus. Can't I just earn an income for a while and let everybody else in the church do that stuff? And, and how long do you want me to do this, Jesus? And he says, the rest of your life. Because that's how long you would have been dead in your sin if I had not saved you. You see, I don't think we let the gravity of what he did for us be the driving force behind what we do in the church sometimes. I'm proud of this church because you guys really get behind. This event we're pulling off is really something that a church of twice the size should be trying to handle. But with God's help. Now, I didn't share this in first service, but in the meeting in between the services with, the, with those that are volunteering, I left them with a story. And with Ken here, he'll, he'll be able to testify to this. But Ken's founder of New Beginnings Children's Home and we had this event one time for two organizations. The Call, which is a faith-based organization that trains up uh, foster care parents. And the other one was New Beginnings Children's Home that had just not started too long before that. And Ken and Shelley had been going two years without taking a paycheck and just barely making ends meet. We didn't find out the worst of it until it was done. They never complained through it until they were already past that point. So we had this car and bike show. We'd never done one like that. And it was kind of a big deal and invite the city out. We had some guys that go to car shows all the time that were a little cantankerous and telling me how we didn't know what we were doing. And the lady across the street got mad because we didn't let her know we were going to be playing music and, and uh, all this stuff going wrong. And all the people are tired and it stretched our group of folks. And I know nobody was going to say it, but I'm sure some people are saying, Pastor CJ, what did you do to us? Why did you think that we could do a big event like this? And at the end of the day, trying to raise money, I have to say I was disappointed. We saw we only got $600 for each organization. Well, that's still some money, but after, if you guys saw what all we did in uh, the weeks and months into that, I was like, Lord. But guess who Ken met at that event? I'll let you, I'll let you tell him. know and and after that i think you saw i don't know if it was before there after that then premier concepts came on a board and god started just blessing and bring about and now they're going to finish out that campus of six homes uh they've already got the money to do so it's already been donated and it's just so i told the folks i said you know we walked away from that thing we didn't do a lot that day and we put a lot of work into it and sometimes we do that with the lord i don't know it doesn't seem like i'm doing much god I mean, I, I witnessed this person, and they're flaking out on me. I'm trying to disciple them, and they're over here. I haven't had a disciple. I haven't led somebody to the Lord to disciple them for years, and we're just frustrated, but we have to keep picking up. He wants to take us to a higher level. You never know what's going to come out of those efforts. You, you think all I can do is this, but you don't see that he'll take that and multiply it, and what will come out of it will be incredible. It's much what we see when we raise our children to love and know about the Lord and to serve him. We never know what they're going to be doing. Do you think Billy Graham's parents ever thought it? 
his early years, what he would do. You know, and maybe they weren't the best influence. I don't know, but but along the way, Billy Graham and others stepped up plates of God, take me to a higher place. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for this time today. I pray that you will bury this word in our heart. Lord, that we will realize that your anointing, Lord, still uh, falls on your people, Lord. But we have to be hungry for it. Lord, that we have to to want to to see you do a work in us, Lord. That we don't get caught up in in where we're at now and just get comfortable. Lord, that you want to do greater and mightier things through us. Just like King David started out this young boy who faced Goliath. Lord, most could have wrote that story the rest of their lives, always telling about how they defeated Goliath. And boy, the good old days. But we see when you call David a man after your own heart, Lord, I believe that's because David was never satisfied with what he accomplished in the past, but what you could do through him in the future. Pray you take us that place, Lord. Keep us teachable. Keep us humble, Lord. Help us to help us to to chase after, Lord, your will for our life, Lord. Not that you're trying to hide it from us, God, but that we'd we'd make it so important, Lord, that you open our eyes and that we're able to see what you're wanting to do with our lives. I thank you for everything you've done through those at New Song and what you'll continue to do. We pray for this event coming up next week, Lord. Lord, we pray for souls to be saved. Lord, whether we see any that day or not, Lord, we pray that the seed that's planted, Lord, the, the fruit of our efforts, Lord, that it will continue to grow and flourish in this community. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, all right. Love you all. Thank you for those that uh, signed up on the event. And uh, uh, we still have lots of these cards, so if you think you might have shored yourself on cards to hand out. We've got more, but have a great week and see you Wednesday at 630.